Episode number 111. How attached to you are... <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do this. You're going to have to jump in and say it. How attached are you to your things? All right, there you go. How attached to you are, are you? Why is that bothering me? I don't know. I'm going to pull that off. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. All right, welcome back to Whole Havana so Cafe. How, how attached to you are your things, Clay? Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking like Yoda today for some reason with that. I don't how know why that... you are to that, your things. That wasn't working for me somehow. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, well, what what things are you most attached to? Well, now, the reason... Um, what I came across that article, I don't know if you got it written down there, and it just kind of mentioned... Yeah, Zen Habits. Zen Habits, yeah. Leo Batista or something like that. Anyway, he wrote a blog post about um, your attachments to things and being able to free up your energy by being able to let go of things that you are attached to, especially external things um, that you tie a lot of energy in. And I know we talked about this in previous episodes um, under the guise of the power sinks, if you remember that warriorship episode mm, that we did. Right. And one of the sources that drains your power is the things that you have tied into habits, things, objects that you right, have right. invested mm-hmm. in. Um, and so this article just reminded me about how we can get ourselves attached to things. Um, and so, yes, just wanted to kind of explore that. Well, it was about a sort of the that decluttering the stuff in your life can be sort of a spiritual practice a little bit, isn't it? Oh, like and that. I like that angle as well. That's a good angle. I like the angle of, because I do that from periodically from time to time. Yeah. Um, when I'm Like actually, a spring clean, even if it's autumn, uh, whatever, it feels yeah. good, doesn't it? Just throwing away stuff. But it's interesting. It's, it's, and it's probably like what he was kind of getting at in the article. It's almost more than just um, the throwing away of things. It's the, what they remind you of. So almost you're looking at it and you think, do I keep this in my life or does this go away? But then you any emotions or events that you have tied to that thing, you kind of relive them. It's almost like going back in time in some ways and yeah. and seeing what significance that particular object holds for you, which I find um, it's, an insti- it's an interesting trip down that space. Yeah, my memory's so poor half the time, I don't remember where I got stuff. But I think there's sort of there's two categories of things. There's things that you've had a long time that are sort of invested with sentimental value for you, like they're tied in with your memories or with a certain time in your life or whatever. And then there are like the sort of things that we continue to bring into our lives through like shopping, consumerism, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like those we're sort of we have different relationships with those two things and I think we have different reasons for being attached to them. Like we're not attached to the new shiny thing because it holds sentimental value and we don't want to get rid of it, but because of, you know, for maybe for other reasons. Yeah, so you might be attached to it because of status thing, like, you know, some people love their cars, like literally love their cars. Um, and well, they, and they have to have 
you know the latest model, but it isn't. But not from so the consumerism thing is one thing, but for them, it's like it's almost like a kid to them, as in you know they're always washing it and polishing it. It's it's a symbol of who they are. And See, for the, me, the I've, I've been listening to a few podcasts recently about like sort of surrounding money and and consumerism a little bit, but in relationship to money. And um, in one of them, they were sort of talking about how um, this one woman who was being interviewed was saying, you know, she spends or she has a relationship with money that's based on like self-care. So when she finds herself overspending or buying stuff, and in this case, I suppose that's where we're relating this to, it's like, it's it's a form of self-care for her. And I feel like that's very true for me sometimes. When you get worn out, it's just sometimes makes you feel better in that moment to buy something new and shiny. Like for me last week or the week before, I can't remember, it was like buying that new like clean notebook that I, you know, hmm. and, and it's sort of, it's like, you know, the, the whole thing about treating yourself and stuff. So I think different people have different relationships with so how about money this in that idea, way, but I think though, that, like, I don't feel like I hang on to certain things because they feel like treats. Some things I hang on to and, and are invested in because of their sentimental value, but other things But let's explore that, in. though. So you've got energy tied up, whether you call it sentimental value or whatever you want to call it. It's an external object to which you have invested some emotional energy in. Oh, yeah, no doubt, yeah. Um, and... I guess the question from the sort of warriorship aspect or from the Zen aspect that Leo espouses is that can that energy be used elsewhere? Yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, especially when that object is tied into your identity yeah. such that if you lost that object, then you feel like you're not you. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you're, you're giving away your power, basically. It was interesting because... Um there's a few sort of examples I was thinking about in relation to this topic. One was um, the fact that even after um, my second son had outgrown the crib, it was sitting in our, in our garage, you know, for, you know, years. Mm. And my husband was like on this eBay, you know, selling spree. And he was like, you know, and I, I just like looked at him and I was like, I'm going to let you sell it. I'm just not quite ready yet. And then in about six months' time or a year's time, it was like, okay, you can sell the crib now. You know, right. it was like, I don't know what, what, you know, we could, like, make some big deal about it, but, I, you know, whatever. Um, but I think that is very true about things. Like, if you've ever moved and packed stuff away and then never unpack certain boxes, you start to detach value from so much of what's in that. So I think that's kind of an interesting practice, too. So. I think there's different ways of decluttering because you can just like get rid of stuff, give it away, give it to charity shops, throw stuff that's not worth giving away away. But if you can't quite do that, I think there is something to be said for packing stuff away for a year or two and then this? going back this? through it what in a year you, or two and then it's much easier in a way to... What if you got rid of everything in your house right now? What would that do to your identity? I don't know. It's hard to really, it's hard to really like put yourself in that position, isn't it? It's like people that lose their house in a fire. Like it's really, I don't, I'm not sure we can really like project what that feels like. It, it, well, we can. Guess. What is something in your well, house right now? That's that like, you, guess what it's like no, no, to be listen, under fire. If, um, like, 
if uh, just think of something in your house that if you know it was gone. Well, I'll give you another example yeah. of like a real thing instead yeah. of me just saying what maybe I would like to think I would be like. Um, so in my mom's house in Florida, they had a big leak, which they didn't know about until like it was in the closet. And it was in the closet where all my stuff is. And I don't have very much stuff from mm. childhood because my mom's not a real, you know, she's not like, we're, we're not a super, super sentimental family. And so you, you sort of keep a few things, but right. we don't have like, you know, my husband's family, they have like an attic full of stuff from when they were little. Like, you know, I don't have that. Um, See, now that's but, the stuff I think we should have. That's the stuff that I miss. Ah, uh, double I, standards see, then. Now, listen, I'm, I'm like this newer stuff that you can you know, have and I can get rid of. But I'm just thinking there's so many cool things that I had when I was little. And, and maybe some of that is a, rem- a reminder of the sort of childhood. Uh, and in addition to that, how much a lot of these things that we threw away that was junk that is actually worth a lot of money. That's probably, yeah, that's, that's true probably too. Or, or that's, ruined. That's my other motive for that bit, but yeah. Well, and, so... And, yeah, yeah go ahead. no, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Well, so in this flood, most of my stuff was okay, but um, it's Florida, and when stuff gets wet, it molds immediately. Right. You know, there's no, like... And so a bunch of my journals from when I was young were just... I mean, by the time my mom realized that there was a leak and found them, they're basically, like, just rotten. Just done. And so she did, you know, she had to throw a bunch of stuff away. And it was, like, it was sort of an interesting process for me because I was, like, I feel like, you know, there's part of me that's, like, I don't know what was in there. You know, it's, like, projecting back to a 13-year-old self. Like, I actually don't have any idea of what was in there. But there feels like a bit of a loss in terms of... But what do you miss? Like... Because I have the same, nearly the same scenario, but maybe not quite because of a flood. And most of the stuff I don't even remember. And so for me, that doesn't even matter. But there are distinct things that I remember that I would like to get a hold of and have, but I know that they're gone. But the rest of the stuff, to me, that signified that the rest of the stuff Well, see, that's the thing. I don't really care that much about most stuff. But the journals are like, you know, one of the things that I've kept and cared about. And so it, it was like, it was a thing to lose that for me, mm. you know? But, um, you know, then also I sort of come back to my own spiritual practice and, I'm, and, and very much on this topic. It was just like, you know, actually, if I'm really honest, I haven't looked at that stuff since I wrote it. And I have this idea that one day when I'm older, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look through those journals that maybe I never would have. But you got to have it so that when you know you become a rich and famous author, they've got... Well, they're gone now. But but there's that... got stuff to auction off and sell. Come on. Well, there's that thing. And stuff to go in a museum. What are are we going to have to put in a museum and stuff like that? Come on. You need those things. Weren't you just lecturing me huh? about how the sentimental value, <laughs> just not, let it go? How would you feel? This is, this is not sentimental. That's like that's like investment, that is, isn't it? But that's only if you become famous. Otherwise, yeah, then it's just sentimental crap. But, you know, I've got, like, I have um, books of, like, John Lennon's letters and stuff and little notes and scribbly things that he wrote when he was a kid. I mean, that kind of stuff probably didn't mean anything <laughs> At one point in time in his life, but, but it, it, it but means it does something it, now to his but fans. But does it? Well, not to him because he's dead. But his fans love it, and well, but they and love it. But capital- again, isn't listen, some capitalists said, "Oh, we can make some money off of it because people love this kind of stuff," and so people are making money off of 
his little scribbly drawings <laughs> that he did and his little poems. Jim Morrison, I got some of his stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but again, at the time, as you say, to him, you know, maybe it didn't mean the same as it does now. But that's only from a writer's point of view. So here's, uh, just bringing this back to maybe present day and this investment of your identity tied up into things and energy, what's something immediate that you... Well, if I just take myself, for instance, the, the phone, you know, attached to this mobile phone, like I don't leave home, I don't leave the house without my phone. Like some people don't care. They, you know, like my son, he doesn't care about his phone. So it's hard to get a hold of him, which is strange because he's a millennial there meant to supposedly live on their phones but he absolutely but if you lost your phone you could get a new one but that's different if i lost my phone i could get another one and i got that but the object of a phone so if you told me i could never have a phone again right is different from okay yeah i lost that phone but yeah i'll just go to o2 and buy another phone yeah and so there's a lot of energy invested in the fact of having the phone and being connected um, to you know, social media and, and messaging apps and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, I think we were talking when we met earlier in the week. Was it yesterday? I'm saying early in the week, like it was Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? This week has been so long. Yeah, it, it has feels, been. I know. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. So so in that instance, the phone is a, an attachment to me that mm-hmm. I feel like I have to have, and I need it. I want it, but do I know it? I know logically that I don't, but it's so much a part of my being that to leave the house without it causes a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and stress. Where's my phone? <laughs> do you know I almost lost my phone twice in this last month and a half? Oh, really? Which is unusual for me because. In the army, we had to do what we call the sensitive items check. When we're out in the field doing maneuvers and stuff, you have these sensitive items. So every now and then, some sensitive items check. So you got to check your night division devices, weapons. So you got anything of high value, especially that the enemy could get that kind of thing. Um, and so I'm, I was. And every time you move from one space to another, we always did a sensitive items check before we moved. Um, and so I'm so used to that as a habit still. That so I use your phone, boom, boom, boom. So which is that's why I'm saying it's surprising that I've almost. Lost my phone twice. We was in Spain in Fuerteventura, and we cleaned out. Was the it when you were on the the moving thing, looking no, no, for your no. coffee? No, uh. it was it was when I was returning the rental car, um, and I must have reached in to get something, piece of paper, trash out the back, and set the phone on the back seat. But unaware to me that I'd done that, so shut up, shut it up, and turned the keys in. And luckily. To do, wanted to do an inspection of the car because had he not done the inspection of the car because it, it was him that when he looked in the back saw my phone in the back and handed it to me if he had done an inspection I would have gone on a plane and would have not had my phone I would have freaked out I would have had to get on a flight and come right back <laughs> that's how attached to my phone I, I am well maybe that's your power sink then well it is Yeah. and then people try and get me to like Stay off your phone for a day. And I'm like, why? Why do I need to? No, I'm not going to. I, I don't. Refuse. I don't really. Yeah, that's I funny refuse. too. There's a lot of people who have a lot of these detoxes, digital detoxes. detox. Yeah, I don't really feel the need to do that either. No, I was like, no way. But then I don't have a lot of um, negative feeling about social media. Like, I don't feel like it stresses me out. 
Well, some people are like, well, it's, it's this whole thing again. Your time, your energy is tied up yeah. into it. Are you paying attention to real life? Um, yeah. And again, my philosophy is that it is real life as in you're interacting with other beings. And yes, I might not be looking some of them face to face with an eyeball, but you're still having real interactions with yeah. other humans. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So. See, but I feel like, yeah, I just feel like there's, for me, if I'm reflecting on my relationship to the stuff in my life, I feel like when I think about those two, it's, they're in two categories. There's the stuff that has been with me for a really long time and that's why I like it and that's why I keep it. And there's other stuff that's like, I just really wanted to buy like a new, I really liked that shirt or, you know, mm. do you know what I mean? I really, you know, like my husband's just gotten this, um, you know, record player. So it's like, you know. I just really wanted that thing because it's fun. It's a toy, or it's We're whatever. We're like stuff. We're like but then I kind of but they they have a different hold on you, don't they? Because it's like there's sort of the sentimental stuff binds you down in a whole different way. It depends on how much stuff in that category that you have. Because of course, like there's the whole range of people of like people that are you know really pack rats and will you know like. So that's not the right hoarders is, hoarders is looking it. I'm looking for, but you know, like where everything has a sentimental value, and well, then because you're saying sentimental value, but sometimes hoarding is not just sentimental. Like because uh, we, we, I mean, we're probably borderline hoarders, but we come from the space that I don't need it now, but I might need it in the future, so I'll hang right. it on to it. So there's no sentimental value. It's right, a, right, right. I'm not using it right now, so it's in the attic. But I know there's going to come a time in the f- future where I'm going to need that thing. Yeah. And so you keep it. See, I feel in like I that you need it. I was in. So my grandmother died um, when I was um, in as a, a teenager, basically, hmm. um, in my late teens. And I went up with my mom to clean out the house, and it was the house that she grew up in with five kids. And my grandmother and grandfather were both depression babies so they kept everything like that you know down to the you know and so I think I really feel like that had an impression both on my mother but also on me in the sense of like you die and there's all this stuff and like I don't you know I don't know so I mean we we sort of I feel like in a way although sometimes the size of my own house frustrates me I also see that there's like a a benefit to having a limited amount of space because if you have more space you just fill it up with crap don't you and if you have more storage space you just fill it up with more crap and actually you don't really look at that stuff you don't really need it you know there's nothing that you really need there's lots of stuff that you want except coffee there's nothing that you need you need coffee but listen because like I don't like when because you say sentimental stuff and I'm just thinking I actually don't have a lot of sentimental stuff in the way that I'm understanding what sentimental things are well you have your books but they're not sentimental the books I love books but not so sentimental to me I just mean emotional you have an emotional attachment to it that's either based on like your memory about what that thing represents in uh, some time in the past or mm. you have an emotional attachment to it which it, that's what I mean about it in a, in as opposed to I wanted a nice new notebook the other day because I was feeling tired and fed up and I wanted to treat myself but I would class that in a in a different category Exa- than the t- than the tying up of things into 
Um, so, sentimental, this is probably why I'm having a rejection of it, because I think of it in the terms of this definition, prompted by feelings of tenderness, sadness, or nostalgia. Okay. Of which I have none of that towards... I don't have things in my house to which I have that kind of attachment Right, to. okay. Um, but, like, so, you know, that whole thought experiment, you know, if your house was burning down and bar the kids and the pets... What thing, and you can only say one thing, what would that be? And so for me, it's a tough one because it would be my books and my music would be the two things that I would save. And now if I had to choose between the books and the music, now that would be hard for me to do. And I would, if I was pushed, it would probably be the books I would save over the music if I can only save the one but if there was only three things I could save the only three things that I would save would be books my music and um, my tech but now everything's in the cloud so I, I, that's why I can easily let yeah. go of that most of the stuff yeah. in the cloud yeah. anyway so yeah. I can just hop on any machine anyway but yeah. and the same now I guess with music's probably that probably has holds less weight now because most of my stuff is digital, Spotify, and my all of my CDs and stuff I've added to my iTunes, so it's all there still. Um, so in this instance, I can answer that question a lot easier. <laughs> it would definitely be the books that I would save. Everything else, pictures, all that stuff can... Like, there's nothing sentimental in my house. I let all the rest of the stuff burn down, but I would want my books because for me, I would be hard. it would be hard for me to replace my book collection. One, I don't remember. I don't even know all the books. I don't have them catalogued. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't have no clue what books I have. I think the thing for me, though, about losing those journals was there are very few things that really, like, really mean something to me. Like, mm. if you had said that to me, like, what would I save? I think it might have been my journals. Like, that would have been the thing that what I would have, now, would have what saved. What about now? But, but I think that, to be honest, what, what's really interesting about losing that stuff, and it wasn't all of them, but it was, it was yeah. a chunk of them, is that you realize it doesn't really matter that that person doesn't exist anyway anymore. If I read back through those books, you know, like I have journals from like when I met my husband, I have journals from like when I was, you know, 12, I have, you know, like there's a whole like sort of thing there. It's yeah, so much that I don't remember, thing, but though, isn't it, it's also okay to let all that stuff go. I don't think so though. Why do we write history books? Why do we write biographies? Why do people write autobiographies? Why did cavemen write on the caves? I'm not saying that it's not like if you have it, it's not worth keeping. And I I'm not, I, you important. know, I'm not gonna like go torch my stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I think when it's lost, sort of okay but I think so so that's there's two there's two levels for that for me on that end on the one level if I think about our episode when we were talking about um, the one book with Sherry and it was because I use that example about you know if you lose your favorite teacup you know you can be upset about it or you can be okay about it but either way the teacup is gone so as I'm hearing what you're saying there, it's on that level. It's like, okay, they're gone. There's nothing that I could do about it. I can't bring them back. But, but I think there's a, there's, a, there's a second step, which is that in, in 
accepting that they're gone, you also realize that it's okay that they're gone. There's some kind of yeah. like realization or understanding that you can get being forced through that process and out the other side. And I think that's what the Zen Habits article is really saying is like, when you get rid of a lot of stuff that you think means something to you, actually you, you get a different kind of realization, which is like, what am I without this stuff? And so for me, in the those journal thing, it was about asking myself, like, do I need to hold on to the person that I was when I'm 13? Like, or can I let that person go? Because yeah. they're not, like, I'm I guess I'm not, approaching that from different, I'm approaching it from that, because specifically about the journals, only because of the importance of, like, imagine if, you know, Shakespeare just got rid of all of his stuff and we didn't, and we didn't have that. Those words. But, but would it be okay? Would our lives be okay? Yeah, I think so. Like, this is on yeah, an individual level. This yeah, is not like, yeah. let's get rid of culture. You know, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, so, and, and I get that. And I get, and, and if he were to use any other thing, then I would be, my mind would be in a different space. It's only, and it's not so much, so for me, it's not so like, and that's one of the things that got lost for me. Like, I had a bunch of journals and stuff, and my mom kind of, which is interesting. This is an interesting story, so I'll tell this one. So, um, big, big Savage Sword of Conan fan and um, fantasy, sci-fi, heroic fantasy books I used to read a lot as a kid. Uh, my mom used to call them devil books, so she hated them, really. So as soon as I left for West Point, she got rid of them all, all the books. But the one thing that she knew that I would probably hate her for the rest of my life is she got rid of. This is how much I, I love the Savage Sword of Conan. And she kept all the anything that had the magazines and the books, she didn't get those away, but she got rid of every, everything else. And actually, it was my journals, and whether she didn't realize that they were there or not, because I know there's a lot of stuff that was in there. And, it, and so it was not so much about hanging on to who I was, mm -hmm. but it's a, record, it's a historical record of my, my time. So for me, that, come, that ties back into legacy. So if I disappeared tomorrow... And maybe this is just a human thing, is it? Maybe this is why we write things on caves. If I disappear tomorrow, what's going to mark the fact that I've actually spent time on Earth? Now, to me, spiritually, is it not going to matter because I'm gone, right? That's what they would say. But, you know, there's something about why do we feel the need to preserve our history? Why do we document things? Why do we take pictures of things? Why do we write things on the cave wall. And I don't know. I mean, that's, that's well, the Well, I think this goes back to this question, which is like, we are scrambling to make ourselves feel permanent when we're not. Hmm. And we have, we continually live under this illusion that if we attach our identity or our sense of like being to external things, like whatever they are, whether they're journals or whether they're pieces of art or whatever, then it feels like something about us is more solid than it actually is. And so I do, you know, basically all that crap is going to disappear eventually. Like no matter how much you try, like if you think about how long humans have been living and you think about what survived and eventually that's going to be gone too. And eventually, do you know what I mean? Yeah, if the world is gone, I mean, look at all the literature and stuff that we have now. How are? How do you know how I'm to? Not, how do we know how to be who we are? I'm not saying. I'm history? definitely not saying that we need to never have stuff from the past or or get rid of all mm. culture. But on an individual level, stuff that you make is going to 
be gone. And like, if you go, see, it's really always a profound thing for me to go into graveyards and like see gravestones that are just really, really ancient and everything's gone off of them. The name, the date, unless the who they, they are. Unless they created something of lasting value. So we're still reading Shakespeare's plays. How long ago did he die? Only a couple hundred years, That's man. a long time. We're still reading Beowulf. Not, How it, long did that dude pass out of existence? We're still reading the Bible. How long has that been around? So these things, I know you're saying that they'll go, but I think if they have any significance, they'll stay for whatever, because they have some value. They help us to remember who we are. Imagine if, you know, all the things that led us up to the point that we are now, if we never had that connection, we didn't document, we didn't do the story. But, but you're going back into that, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not yeah. saying, like, not have any culture, but I'm saying on our individual level, when you attach, because, you know, you can create stuff, and whatever life it has beyond this, like, Shakespeare could never have imagined that we would be studying him in high school. Right, like, so you're talking you know, about the individual, I'm talking about the object. But 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 yeah. the whole but the whole thing is how attached are you to the things not, yeah. outside of you and so, and does that is that something like did Shakespeare write those things to be remembered forever like he could have or he could have just written them in the moment and let them go and whatever future they have really has nothing to do with him. Do you right. Know what I'm so yeah. So separating the individual out for me and so I'm not the individual. I, I get that. It's the significance of the act of writing something and to preserve a history, but not that you're... So you're right. So like T.S. Eliot, one of his things is for us and something that I believe in as well is that we just make stuff and we put it out there and it's for the world to decide what happens to it. So we let, after we create it, it's not up to you whether people like it. But or then it that. can't be a legacy. As soon as you make it about your personal legacy, then it's about you. Yeah, so... Th- Take me over here yeah. and leave the thing. So the thing that's important to me is that people are documenting and leaving the trail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not that I have to be attached to that trail, but if yeah. we said, actually, nobody right, let's destroy everything anybody ever makes, ever, then... You're going back to that. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I know yeah, you yeah. That, okay. that's, well, I think we're talking the same thing. So, yeah, mm, I'm, okay. I'm not stuck on the individual attachment to it i'm stuck on the attachment that it's important that we do those things as a species as human beings that we document that we record that we have a history that we revisit history and have a look at and see so one of the importance of a of a of a diary or a journal is you can it's your historical record of the time that you've spent it's not that you're attached to it but it's a historical record of of your journey yeah. through to life. And then you're going to pass, and then, you know, hopefully you have some siblings, and then they can see what your life was like. To you, it's not going to matter because you're dead, but, you know, there's a historical record of, you know, that you know your great-great-grandkids can have a look at and say, oh, yes. I see. I just was. feel like, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Which yeah. I think is, you know, it's, well, we wouldn't be where we are now if we didn't have those things. We should probably take a a quick break as well. Yay. Get some more coffee. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. Our goal for 2018 is to grow our audience, our community of contemplators like you, and we would really appreciate your help with this. 
Now, there's a few things that you as a listener can do that are pretty easy and simple that will really help us out a lot. So if you enjoy the podcast and want it to continue, it would be great if you could share it with a few friends who you think might enjoy listening. Um, going to iTunes and giving us a review so that it boosts us in the algorithms and it can come across other people who might enjoy it. And if you'd like to financially support the podcast, you can go to the contribution section of our website. Thanks, and back to the show. Okay, so um, in this whole idea about thinking about the article and starting to let go of things, one of the things I've often toyed with, but because of I can't get rid of my books or my music, <laughs> is being a minimalist. And there's this documentary, and I don't know if people got this, but um, and you may be able to still catch it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there or not, but... It's, it's called Minimalism. Uh, it's a documentary about the important things. Um, and that whole movement of minimalism is to get rid of, like, everything. It's sort of a counterculture to consumerism, yeah, isn't there's it? there's a counterculture yeah. to consumerism, get rid of all... Um, what's his name? Al- Altucher. He's, he did that at one point in time. Oh, right. He? he got rid of his house, all of his yeah, books. Right. I mean, he put everything on a Kindle, and he put all his music, of course, in Spotify and iTunes, so... He owned nothing apart from his laptop um, and I think a, a Kindle, but that was it. He didn't have a house, didn't have any right. book, you know, he had a bag, that he, a couple of things of clothes in it, but that was, you know, that was like extreme minimalism. And I think there's something freeing about that, as in you don't have to worry about stuff, you're not, yeah. like I think the more things that you have, you got to keep feeding those things. Because they're going yeah. to take energy, you got to you know, right. feed them, especially if they're sort of high-tech cars, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they take more psychic energy that you've got to put in it. So this whole idea about minimalism is, yeah, so, yep. you know, ditching some of that. And um, I also, and I, this isn't the same program, but it was, it, was a, it was a way of, and maybe it was, I can't remember. Anyway, what they did, and I think, like, no, it was something else. I have to look it up. But essentially what they did is they... They took all your stuff away. It was, it was a documentary or a show. It was one of the reality TV programs. Okay. They take all your, everything, your clothes, your, literally you're in your house naked. You have nothing. Okay. Um, and then they let you go. To, you have to make your way to your trailer where they put all your stuff at. And the first time you go there, you're only allowed to take one thing, one item from the trailer. So essentially these people had to make it from their house naked to get to the trailer and they could take one item from the trailer. So it was, it was very interesting to watch what people took, you know, like some people, I remember one girl, she was naked, seven, but she knew she had to go to work. So the one thing that she took out was um, she took a, a, a sheet or something and she was very good at making stuff. So even just with the sheet, she crafted herself a... A, a dress out of this sheet so that she could go to work. But it was just interesting, the items, when people were allowed to go back to the shed that they would bring with them. Um, I'll have to look that one up to see because it's an interesting one to watch. And I would, I would actually would mind doing that. Maybe it comes back to what you were saying in the part one of this, is if, we, if someone just emptied the whole of the house out, but then allow you to go back to your trailer only to take an item and then you say you could take another item. Would it then show to you what was important to you within that space of things and what are the other things that you could live without? 
So I could be a See, I feel like my instinct, this is like, for, I sort of got this from my mom, but like, yeah, I, my instinct is to just throw stuff away. Or when I say throw away, I mean like give to charity shop or mm. give away or throw away or whatever to do with it. But my mom's a real like throw stuff away. Just if you're not using it and you haven't used it in a year, just get rid of it. You know, and uh, See, yeah. I think we're, yeah, and, and I probably had a, an opposite. I think Ruth had the opposite as well as, and in, in I guess because, you know, she had the sort of war pants and all that, but it was like, that's considered like wasteful. Like I wasn't allowed to leave my table unless I ate everything because yeah. it was wasting stuff if you did it. Um, and so it feels almost wrong to get rid of stuff. Hmm. On one instance, it just seems wrong to get hmm. rid of things, especially that other people don't have things. Hmm. And for you to just to get rid of things is... is yeah, you know what, it's bad. funny because... So, so in that article, there's, there were two things that he said that I sort of didn't really... I don't know, like I, I sort of thought that they needed to be expanded on. One is like that there's a lot of shame and guilt that around stuff, like owning stuff, giving stuff away, like, you know, there's the, like, so what you're describing to me is a little bit maybe in reference to that, like, there's a guilt with giving stuff away because, like, there's a story about how other people don't have stuff or you might need stuff and what a waste it would be to give it away and then you have to rebuy it and, you know, yeah. what is that? But I think, you know, it, there's sort of a lot of, like, interesting emotions we have about our stuff. So there's also a lot of, like, you know, when I was listening to this um, podcast, um, uh, there was an interview with this woman called uh, Kate Flanders who wrote a, this book, A Year of Less. And she basically had like a shopping ban because she mm. had gotten herself into a bunch of debt. And so she was like sort of tracking her way out of debt. But um, so it's all about her sort of journey with, con you know, money and consumerism and, and relationship with money and stuff and whatever. But you know, basically, she sort of describes another sort of common thing, which is like this cycle of like buying stuff and bringing stuff into your life and then feeling ashamed or guilty that you have like consumed again or feeling like really negative about the fact that, but in that moment when you're in the store, like it's just like compulsive buying sort mm. of thing or impulse buying. And I think we've all had that experience at one point or another, like you're there and you buy it and then you're like, later like I really wish I hadn't paid you know 30 pounds for that why or, did I buy that thing yeah <laughs> so you know there's sort of there's a lot of emotion around that and the other thing that they said that he said which I don't know if you have any thoughts about is that clutter can represent procrastination and avoidance patterns and so what they were what he was saying this Zen Habits blog guy was saying is like decluttering your house is like you know sort of freeing up that energy but do you have any thoughts about that um, like, do you find that things get cluttered when you're procrastinating or something? I didn't I, really get that. Yeah, no, I don't think things get... I think I'm, I'm not... So there's a number of forces going on in, in my house. One, my relationship to time. So I'm not a big fan of spending any time, like, tidying and stuff because I could be doing more important things. And so there's clutter everywhere because it's like, ah, yeah, I'm going to be... So I, instead of putting it away, it's like, ah, I'll be using that again <laughs> tomorrow. So I just leave it out. So there's that. Um, and then, you know, that whole sort of cluttered desk and all that other jazz. But I just... I don't know. I just don't... It's the time thing. It's like I don't really feel like putting it away because I'm going to use it again. So it's a waste of time to put it up. So things get all cluttered. 
Um, but then there's another thing, the whole sort of hoarder side of things, is that the clutter happens because you don't have any space to put things because you're hanging on to things because I'm going to need that at some point in time. And yes, I can come up with a number of instances where I'm glad I didn't get rid of stuff because lo and behold, I needed that thing. Um, and then, of course, there's the whole A-team thing. So, you know, learn how to recycle and reuse the things um, that you have as well. So instead of going out and buying something new, why not make stuff out of the stuff that you have? So there's a lot of, there's a number of different levels that some of this plays. But I know if I look in my attic, for instance, like in the army, we had to move every three years, basically. And there were stuff in boxes that, you know, they've been living in boxes for the last 18 years. So in theory, should just throw the box out because, you know, we opened the box to see that it made it. But actually, we do nothing with the items that are in the box. They just sit in the attic. So there's a lot of stuff up in the attic that's of no use. And actually, over because there's so much, it always gets daunting. So for me, it comes back to, well, I don't want to waste time decluttering because I could be doing something else. Um, but I have on occasion, and I've started this process, probably when I watched that movie, um, that minimalist thing, I started kind of there, and I just do a little at a time. Like, I think when I watched that movie... Like, so what's the deal with the documentary? Oh, the minimalist. Well, they yeah. just did that. They just kind of got rid of all of his stuff and then just kept the very bare minimum of things that he ne- needed. So, you know, he's, he doesn't buy... He's got like five shirts maybe, but they're all the same kind of sh- shirts. So he, get into, so he doesn't have to think about what to wear. It's just, you know, it's like three of the same shirt. Mm-hmm. Three, you know, three or four pair of underwear. So yeah, the bare yeah, yeah. minimum stuff that you have. There's nothing on the shelf, so there's no sentimental stuff like you know we have this yeah, yeah, knickknacks and stuff. Put yeah, pictures and knickknacks. So there's none of that. Um, the bed, you know, there's a multifunctional thing. It's one of these things that fold up, and then so then you, you know, you've you got more space to do some other. Things. You know, so right. everything is functional, and there's no excess of anything. That was that whole sort of thing. But I think after. After watching that and then watching that one where they had to yeah, get, get rid of everything. Um, so Because I've got T-shirts that are older than my kids. <laughs> and that's just because I like T-shirts and I wear them all the time. But then it's like I got billions of these things. So I did go through. I had socks. and I, In fact, I did a blog post on it. I'll see if I can dig it up because I, I, I documented all the things that I got rid of and it was like tons of t-shirts billions of pairs of socks see Um, this is so from the time that my son my first son was born within 16 months we moved and then so basically he has lived now so now he's seven and we've been in our house for three years so up till the point where he was basically four we lived in literally four or five different houses. Yeah. And I think when you move that often, it sort of forces you to just like get rid of stuff. Hmm. Cause you just don't want to keep hauling it around and you realize every time you unpack, there's more stuff that you think, yeah, I don't, I don't really need that. You know, I don't, you know? Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I well, we used to have to do it. Every I do. Three I years. do think, <laughs> I do think, yeah, exactly. I do think that, there is something for me about clutter and mental space. Is there? Yeah. So for me, like, it's the, uh, the outer 
like I like the fact so my husband's much neater than I am I sort of grew up being slightly messy and I've had to sort of become neat because clutter makes him nuts but I actually kind of like that because it you know it just keeps everything like yeah just like a blank not blank canvas but just like you know everything's sort of I don't know yeah, I get disturbed when things are too, clear. Too, too clean. clear. Yeah, like I just recently... <laughs> That's because your mind works like a mind map. Well, it does. Yeah. Um, and so I can't think. So I just cleaned up my office, got everything off the floor, put everything up and stuff, and it's like weird. Um, but I see it slowly getting organized again, slowly but shortly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so like I know, like I was saying, like in the attic, there's a ton of stuff to get rid of. And so... And I'm happy to, like, I don't even, like, there's no attachment for me to the thing. So when I did my a big clear out of the attic about a month or so ago, I was just, I just willy-nilly just throw things away. I just assume it's up there, it should go away. Um, I'm happy to let it go, but it's just a time thing. Like, I don't want to waste my time up in the attic when I could be reading a book or making a podcast or doing something way more important than, yeah. clearing out clutter but um, every now and then I have to bite the bullet and say okay well I'm going to put this in a diary and I'll carve out the time and I'll go up there and just whirl it but there's so much stuff it's going to take me years at the rate I'm going I think the one, the other thing that sort of came into my mind with um, listening to this woman who's done this sort of year experience of the year of less right. so she basically had sort of a ban on shopping she couldn't buy anything unless she had run out of it or it broke. I like that. You know? And, um, yeah, there were, she just had a few sort of things on her sort of what's okay to get and what's not in terms of spending money. But I think, you know, you don't necessarily have to do a year of something. But I think even doing, like, a month of something, you know, like, there's loads of people who are doing this, like, month without plastic or something like that yeah Yeah, and and i sort of think what's interesting about these things is not that you're going to live like that but that it clarifies for you what you actually miss and what you really don't you know so yeah and if we we thought on a bigger level what are the things we actually need i mean if you know we go into my house and we've got like three tvs and everybody has a and my house has at least two computery type things. We got a computer, laptop. Then mm-hmm. We'll have a phone, and we got a tablet. But you know, do you really need all those things? You know, I got a DVD player, PlayStation. You know, you got all these things, but you don't actually really need any of them. So I guess the question is, why do we have them? Um, I guess it, you know. See, for me, it's sort of like more a question of would you be okay if you didn't have them? Because, like, there's no reason not to have things. This isn't like a... Because I think sometimes people can get really strict about... Be, uh, moralistic is more the word I'm looking for about mm. stuff. You know, like, like people are moralistic about social media and stuff. You know, like, I don't think that any of these things have to mean anything. They just mean what they do to you. So... I suppose going back to the original questions, like how attached are you to your things? It's like you can have a laptop and a tablet and a phone as long as, you know, you know you'd be okay as a human being without them or you don't freak out, you know, and and you can have whatever you want. 
but, but only you form- know. There's a, there's this. Um, but what about the identity thing? Could you get rid of those things, and does that change your identity? Well, I see. I, I think that the technology thing is a tricky thing because there, there's a reality to our world now that that's how you communicate with people, and communication is important. So whether or not yeah. you're attached to your phone or not, like me being able well, to speak to my family. I, I've got a friend who's a consultant like me, and he cares nothing about. I mean, he still has a like one of these Nokia things. So, but the point is, why do you have it? Why does he have it, or why do I no, have it? No, no, no. I mean, yeah. the, there's the there's a sort of um, in the school of Tibetan Buddhism that I've mm. trained in. There are these sort of phrases that help you remember teachings, and one of them is, um, oh, no, I've no, you forgot, forgot it. what Come I was going to say. Um, yeah, oh, like in any case, in any in any like question, sort of or any case of judgment, look to the principal judge, and that's you. Hmm. So only, for instance, like what it's basically saying is that when you're practicing meditation, only you know if you're actually being mindful or not. And in the case of your relationship with stuff, only you really know how attached you are and what your relationship is to your computer or to your teacup or to your whatever. But and I think the point is that you have to get honest with yourself about it. And But is, you that, know. is that totally the case if you think about the status anxiety argument and that whole piece? So again, um, and I have a link to the, the book itself. Um, well, this is this idea of keeping up with the Joneses. That's the, that, but only that you phrase. know if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, well, no, don't you? No, because the Joneses and everybody else in your neighborhood know whether you're keeping up with the Joneses as well. So people know what kind of car I drive because I drive that car. So they but see only it. you know why you've got that car. But people relate to you different to it, what you have. That's and, and, and but it can be kind of fine. In fact, there was something on I was just watching or looking at on the radio on how people treat you. In fact, this was interesting that you're saying that you're saying that you know only you know, but actually people make big decisions based off of those things. So in fact, there was this what I was watching. I was listening to. I can't. I'll find it. But basically, um, he was talking about two founders. Oh, it was on Seth Gooden's podcast yesterday and it was two female founders of this company but because they were using their names um, they were finding that they weren't getting any funding from investors and the like so they invented a dude who didn't actually exist and they cc'd him on stuff that they were sending out but just because of the a guy's name and I know this might be straight into another area but um, I think you find how you dress and how you do other things depends on how people relate to you. So as um, soon as they put that man's okay, but, name on but it... But you, you've moved from I've stuff moved to so, gender identity, okay, well, and that's I'll, a totally no, no, different thing. I'll come back to being a financial consultant because it was the same part of this podcast that Seth was talking about. So if I wear um, just a normal shirt and some jeans to go meet and talk to somebody about investing millions of their life savings they'll have a different reaction to me same person same knowledge if i wore an expensive suit expensive tie 
don't think anyone's like debating that. But then yeah. you have to un you, only you know whether your identity is tied up in that, or whether when you take the suit off at the end of the day, whether you let that go. But this comes back to our conversation about does social media shape your identity with the like? So only you you may know, but over time it changes who it changes your behavior. That changing of your behavior and the habits that you grow slowly shifts your identity. In which case, you need to make choices about what you do and what you do. But then that comes back to some other stuff. This is why I'm glad we do this podcast because you say that, but then we say that we're communal animals and you want to be a part of the community. You make certain decisions that may push you outside of the community and we don't like being alone. So, yes, if you're someone that likes being alone, a lone wolf, free thinker, don't want to be a part of the community, then you probably can make that decision. I'm just going to do my thing and who cares what other people think. Um, but there's consequences to that. And so I think there's, yeah. so there's, a, you know, there's, there's a lot of interrelationships with all of these. And maybe yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you, you'll have to do something, but what are you consciously going to do and being aware of like we had that conversation about um you know choosing um the things that you want i suppose let in to your like we're talking about culture you know culture and how things change over time that you're not even aware of that again it's changing your identity the phone was yeah. one of them so yeah. neither one of us were running around with mobile phones in our pockets when we were kids <laughs> um there wasn't a lot of people out in the streets with them, but now, over time, they've now become such a thing that we go outside right now, we'll probably count 100 people on their phones, but it'll seem like normal. And it'll be normal to them because it just, over mm -hmm. time, it shifts and changes kind of your identity. So, yes, yeah, I get from a... Yeah. You know, if I'm going to... If I go all super zen monk, Ish or me and yeah, yeah I know what you mean. I know what matters. you're saying, yeah. but actually, we do need to sort of play the game with stuff. Like stuff has a role yeah. in the game, and I guess it's being careful that the stuff doesn't. Yeah. How much you let the stuff? That's right. Change yeah. you, mm -hmm. so you have to always become aware of. It's like the Matrix. Oh yeah, we squeeze that one in. So you know, if you lose, if you you know that you're gonna go into the Matrix, and I gotta play this game to fit in with everyone else but I, I remember who I am I haven't lost yeah. the idea who I am um, but it's when you let your guard down and become less self-aware then these forces that are operating on you yeah. are changing you and you forget who you are and um, that's when maybe maybe there's a problem I don't know <laughs> so anyway um, get rid of some stuff yeah. Is that our, well, our well, well, takeaway? The, there's our challenge. The challenge is, is to, after you finish listening to this podcast, is to go get rid of 10 items in your house. Yes, there we go. Fine. The gauntlet's Sounds down. Good. And we're going to put it on our post. So I want to see your 10 things. You're going to, we'll put them in the show notes, our 10 things that we Me? get rid of. Yeah. You're accepting the challenge as well. I don't think I really need to be any more minimalist than I am. I have a crap lid, less that. books than you. I have almost no Ten shoes. Ten things. Yeah, right, whatever. Ten things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, this is, this, is, this is what happens with the orders and the like, oh, yeah, I don't need to get rid of things. Ten things, that's the challenge. 
Right, we're lowering down a goal in 10 things. That's right. your challenge, dude. Dan, oh, that's your challenge to you and to the listeners. 10 <laughs> things. I'm sure there'll be 10 things that's in around your house that you can get rid of. Okay, there's a challenge. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. We have a goal for 2018 to grow our audience, our contemplate, our community of contemplators like you, and we'd really appreciate your help. In fact, there's a few things that you can do quite easily that would really help us out a lot. One is by sharing it with other friends that you think might enjoy listening to the show. Another is going to iTunes and giving us a review, which will boost the algorithm and put the show out in front of more eyes that um, can, people can come across it. And you can financially support the show by going to the contribution section of our website. Thanks a lot.